0: This week's podcast is brought to you by Massive, that's spelled M-A-S-V, the fastest way to send and receive Massive video files. Send uncompressed dailies, locked pictures, TCPs, and more with Massive. Keep listening to hear how you can receive 100 gigabytes for free towards your next transfer.
1: Good morning, Vietnam! Wake
0: up! Wake up, wake up, wake up! You talking to me? What? we've got here is failure to
1: communicate
0: Hi, Ho all you girls, boys, and non-binaries out there. This is your boy Ron Dawson coming at you with another edition of your favorite filmmaking podcast that breaks all the rules, Crossing the 180. Part of the Art of the Frame Podcast Network and Film Tools and Pro Video Coalition. Every now and then, you come across a a film or a TV show that totally surprises you in a really positive way. Maybe it was something you never heard about, and it was a blind watch that blew you away. Maybe it was a property you were familiar with, but due to the talent involved, or maybe some previous version of it, your expectations were low, but the end result exceeded those expectations tremendously. Or maybe you came across a trailer for something that looks like it's full of promise, you know, has something that just makes you so excited to see it. But you don't dare hope that it can possibly live up to the expectations set by the trailer. Because, you know, rarely do they ever. But then you watch it and find that not only did it live up to those expectations, again, your expectations were surpassed. That was the case for me when I saw the trailer for Peacock's We Are Lady Parts. A six-episode series about a UK punk band made up entirely of Muslim women. You heard me right. A punk band made up of Muslim women.
2: We are Lady Parts.
1: Here's a little something we thought you might like.
2: That is me, 26, Capricorn, finishing a PhD in microbiology. And this is Lady Parts. A confused mix of hash anthems and sour girl power. Our sound is thin. We need something more. We need lead guitarists.
0: We don't need a wanky, self-indulgent guitar soloist (laughs) jizzing all over our songs.
1: This decided. Who would have thought that our orbits were soon to collide? You, you went to St. Abigail's primary school. You played guitar in the talent show. You got expelled for selling school furniture. Verily, it is
0: I. Play something, play something. Play something. I don't perform. My nerdy disposition induces diarrhea and vomiting. Ew. As soon as I saw this trailer, I knew I just had to watch the series. And as I alluded to earlier, it did not disappoint. It has a Scott Pilgrim versus the world kind of vibe, with funny dialogue, a distinctive color palette, and a story that connects each of the characters. And with each episode only about 25 minutes long, the whole first season is a full hour shorter than Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. You can knock this whole thing out in an evening. And I promise it'll be two and a half hours, you'll be glad you invested. Today on the show, I have the DP behind this wonderfully quirky and uplifting comedy about the most unlikely punk band, Diana Olafrova. Diana even has the look to match a series about a UK punk band. She's one of these young Wonderkin types who's done so much already at her age. She has an infectious spirit you'll notice right away so let's jump right into my conversation with diana Olafrova, director of photography for we are lady parts see you on the other side now you're in the uk is that right yeah yeah so it's late there for you i appreciate you doing this uh what part of the uk are you in
2: i'm in london i just finished the shirts with uh, two hours overtime.
0: <laughs> wow, oh my gosh. Had a
2: pint in the pub and and came back. It's nice. fine. Actually it was quite refreshing to do after a four months of drama to do like a silly commercial, even with overtime, it was so fun.
0: Oh, is it? oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was gonna ask you, can you say what, the, what was the project you were shooting? It was a commercial?
2: Yeah, yeah, commercial uh with a new production company called NotCal oh. and uh it's a insurance company and we shot in the pub and it was oh, super nice. funky and easy and yeah, it was fun. nice. It was kind of like yeah, it was easy, it was nice. I had the best crew, it's a good yeah, day. Yeah. So, yeah, well new people, we played lots of music.
0: So yeah. Sounds like fun. The the listeners can't see this, but like you have green hair. Which goes perfect for <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: our topic today, because we're talking about a punk band. Yeah. Um, were you? Yeah. Into, <laughs> were you? Were you into punk music when you were younger?
2: No, but um, I think I uh, adapt to every project I do, long form wise <laughs> these yeah. days, and uh, I change accordingly, which is really odd. And this is actually not by not happened because of the lady parts the punk um show but because of the one i finished last week which is kind of lgbt plus show oh, and cool. there was a lot of like amazing stories to be told in there and by the end of it i just felt like i just want to go change so yeah. much that i just had to do something <laughs> and nice. i went to I like uh, a hairdresser it's like a new Japanese hairdresser I met and I was like you know do whatever you like I'm happy with any color I'm just want to like experiment and right. be free and he did that and I was like okay love it
1: no, no, <laughs> so, it look, it so you know and
2: then um, thank you and on lady parts I was kind of like influenced by the punk culture and I did a tattoo and I did the haircut the same as we had um, the main character was having mm-hmm. a- guitarist Sarah I also did like a half side shaped oh, you uh, did. just because I was so inspired by them and I felt so close to them that I just had to change as well so me. I think every show now I can see myself like really feeling it you know I'm so like empathetic that I can't help it I just like really become part of it which is really interesting
0: <laughs> you're like a chameleon
2: yeah yeah definitely
0: definitely now um I'm a I'm a very traveled and astute individual. And your your accent doesn't sound like your British accent. No. Where are you from?
2: <laughs> I'm from Ukraine.
0: Ukraine. Kiev, now so what brought Ukraine. you to the UK?
2: Um I decided to study abroad for my master's after doing five years of cinematography in Kiev. Mm-hmm. And the easiest choice was to go to London, because mm-hmm. they speak English, and I knew English, and I didn't know any other foreign languages. I didn't want to go far away. And I researched the best film schools in London, in the UK. And I found three that did cinematography, which was Met Film School, National Film School and Greenwich University. And then I mm-hmm. got into all three. And I figured that NFTS was the hardest one to get in. So I went there.
0: Good for you. <laughs> and see, so are you still there now? Or yeah. are you finished? And you just stayed?
2: Yeah, I finished um, in 2015 and mm-hmm. stayed there. So it's been nine years now I've been here. Yeah.
0: Uh, how do you like living in London compared to Kiev?
2: Oh, wow. I mean, every time I go to Kiev, I really feel like I never left because I can like, like in nature, I'll just kind of know everything. Although a lot mm-hmm. of things change, but people are all the same. And I feel like the atmosphere is the same, Right. even though lots of new things are happening but i just always feel like back home people are slightly more pessimistic and slightly more down Mm. slightly more judgmental Mm -hmm. and limiting themselves sometimes but at the same time they love experiment they love being a little bit more uh like they explore a lot of stuff and they open to new things and they push for boundaries but in london i feel like people are so free and open and supportive Mm -hmm. and there's so many other things happen, you know, without people having to to push for boundaries. It just yeah. feels like everybody's super accepting here. And right. um, it's very interesting, mixed society mm-hmm. that kind of takes everyone in and mm-hmm. embraces diversity.
0: It's interesting you say that. I was going to save this question for later, but it seems good since we're talking about it now. I wanted to ask you... What 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 is it like, what's the industry like in the UK for women in the industry in terms of how you feel you are either respected or hired? Because I know that's one of the topics that gets a lot of talk here in the US in terms of the different opportunities for women and what it's like. And I was wondering if the vibe is similar in the UK or if it's a little bit different or what your experience has been like.
2: Um, I feel like it's been quite interesting the last couple of years. It's really improved in the UK. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's been real push for women to be uh, working in the industry. And every time we're reminded to hire more women and a more diverse crew like all the time so i quite appreciate that and you know in the beginning i was like oh i don't like this that i'm hired because i'm a woman but at the mm. same time i was like you know what i'll take the job i think any <laughs> job it's good right. <laughs> so, i think <laughs> she's a complaint you know we're gonna get it so yeah there's been a lot of like kind of but at the same time I understand lots of guys are going like oh why like only women are working (laughs) but I think it's not true I think everybody is busy and everybody has a job because there's so many jobs at the moment so this is great Mm -hmm. and yeah I feel like I feel it's quite easy I mean I don't even I never really thought about this unless until I I saw the statistics and uh, you know kind of Realized that because I never thought about myself in the way of a gender right. that much in general, like I always wanted to be a boy when I was a, a kid. Actually, I was always like, I'll be a boy, boys do the, the most stuff. La, la, la. <laughs> and then I kind of embraced that I'm a woman, and I was like, okay, you know what? I can still be a woman and do a lot of stuff yeah. uh, and succeed in career. So I just went for it. and I never thought much about it. But now I look back and I realized that I had to push so much through, and I was always surrounded by men. and I. Kind of made friends with all of them and they kind of felt mm-hmm. like part of the gang all the time you know and i'm mm-hmm. like well then i'm a, with a man a community with women so i always kind of just didn't think about it much but now i realize how hard it is for some people to really fit in mm-hmm. you know so i always try to help yeah and in ukraine there's not that many women working in the industry but it's many more people studying and i can see like there was one cinematography course was like 10 women uh get in and no men at all so i just feel like they're really pushing for it in terms of right um bringing more students um and things like that so that's great but also it's hard you can like learn and study but actually work and stay in the industry right, is right. another thing i feel like lots of women drop off around like mid-30s or around 40 when mm-hmm. they want to start a family and have kids so that's other thing you start thinking like do i need to keep pushing my career if i want to have family what can i do and what you know, and I think that this is something still not really much discovered, and there is not that many examples of good combination of both. And mm-hmm. I find that this is something quite challenging yeah. to face, and we need to work on it a bit more, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you would you have described yourself as a tomboy growing up? Are you familiar with that term?
2: I'm in a way. Yeah, yeah. I could say that. I was always like, um, fighting the boys and stuff like that. Yeah, and I wanted to be a musketeer. Did you really? (laughs) So I'll be a musketeer. (laughs) When I grow up, I'll be a musketeer because I love (laughs) all the books about musketeers and I love all the films uh, about musketeers. I watched, that was all my first films to watch with Richard Gere, like Last Night and all those. (laughs) Did you want to be... Romanticizing.
0: Did you want to be D'Artagnan or one of the other ones? everyone wants to be D'Artagnan, hundred percent the
2: first one, one, of, of, the course. Best one. of course,
0: of course. <laughs> um I was gonna ask you are you familiar with so I mean this was made before you were born, but I don't know if you've seen them have you ever seen any of the pippy longstocking movies? Are you familiar with that character
2: no it was,
0: so Pippi, Longst- yeah. Pippi Longstocking is this, I already brought it oh, up. Oh, yes, because, I
2: know. Pippi did the joke. Of course yeah, I Yeah, did. yeah, she has yeah. the red, she has like two. The red ponytails. Yeah.
0: Um, and then in the, I yeah. don't know, I think in the 70s they made, I think it was made in, I want to say either Sweden or Norway. But when I was a kid, I would watch the US versions and they were dubbed. Um, but they were always so cool because she went on these, wild and crazy adventures i was, so I was just wondering if mm-hmm. you were like a little pippi longstocking growing up because she she would beat up I everybody so, yeah she was super strong
2: um, <laughs> i haven't seen it for a while but i oh, yeah, know like, she's I, I I, so. like uh really funny and yes. um lots of outrageous outfits and stuff like that That's right funny. right i have a
0: feeling it probably does not hold up um One of the questions Mm -hmm. I like to ask people when I start out is, do you remember what your first movie memory was?
2: That was the film, I just said, uh, with Richard Gere.
0: Oh, The the Three Musketeers? The Last
2: last Night or The First Night? No, yeah, it's called... Mm -hmm. Is it called The Last Night or The First Night? Yeah, no, I don't remember. I need to Google it. So it's yeah. with Sean Connery and Richard Gere and Julia Ormans. And it's about um, the King Arthur, I think. Oh, okay. And it wasn't. it's not Musketeers. It's actually nice. Yeah, yeah. England, 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 I don't know. Somewhere, somewhere there. Uh, <laughs> and it's about being loyal. It's about love. So that's my favorite and the first film I remember really well. And I watched it many, many, many times. So yeah. that's it. That's the one. <laughs> what was
0: it about that film that appealed to you? Do you know? What was it about it?
2: I think it was just about about love, yeah, about Mm -hmm. love and passion and being Mm -hmm. yeah, being in the moment and just, yeah, and it's just so beautiful and it just really, you could really feel it, you know, and I really loved it. I could really feel it. Uh, I think that's what I always value in the movie making when you can make people feel.
0: Yeah. Have you seen the trailers for The Green Knight? That's coming out. That's another Mm-mm. Arthurian legend. <gasps>
2: uh, oh my god!
0: <laughs> um, and it's
2: I love all these legends. Yeah,
0: and it's based um It was done by the same director who did a ghost story, and mm-hmm. it is coming out. It looks as a cinematographer. I think you'll absolutely love it. It looks amazing. I think you should check it, especially for someone who's into like nights and whatnot did you ever yeah. see the original there was another... go ahead
2: uh, there's another film I, I remember from my childhood which is also about actually musketeers this time i think it was leonardo dicaprio it's called the man with iron mask this is also one of the first films i remember, I remember that film you know that was that
0: i didn't know that was a musketeer movie i never saw it so interesting
2: yeah, it's that one also same kind of topic and stuff mm-hmm. you know like period movies um, yeah,
0: have you ever seen uh Excalibur? This was made a long time ago.
2: Oh, I heard about it. Yes, <laughs> I I'm haven't seen it, myself. but I heard about it be- <laughs> on the shoot I did. Uh, these three months they had a, a rigor that looked yes. like the main character there, <laughs> yeah. <yes. laughs> and people kept showing it, so laughing. I think it's,
0: yeah, I think that's one of the more famous. I have seen it, I think it's one of the more famous film adaptation adaptations of theory and legend um mm. uh if you get a chance to see it, you should definitely watch it i'm curious
2: so what was it? it i find it hard to watch old movies yes. you know that's like yeah. the problem for me i actually never watched many old women uh, movies oh, at what, all i kind that? of only watch whatever's new what's coming up i don't know i just remember when i was a kid i would watch what was coming up so what my parents would buy on dvd or what mm-hmm. would be on the tv Uh, which in Ukraine sometimes was, of course, already dated. So I would watch it from, you know, from whenever it came to Ukraine. And then I just never really bothered to watch back, like, old films. And then Mm -hmm. I actually was never that much into films anyway. Like, I just, it's not the way why I want to be make movies. I just like experimenting with things. I don't. Right. Like, it's not that I'm like fascinated by movie making, it's something else. So for me, it was never a thing to like rewatch and get inspiration. So I kind of stopped that. And whenever in the film school, we had to watch films, I usually just fall asleep. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> so that was always my problem. I was like, oh, I can't. Very interesting. Can't
0: so asleep. you're, you're unlike a lot of filmmakers I've interviewed over the years. What So what was it that got you interested in, in becoming a cinematographer or a filmmaker?
2: i never really wanted to be a cinematographer i wanted to be a photographer okay and um like when i was uh, 16 and finishing my school my parents wanted me to go straight to university and uh, there's no like i was like i was two years of school i i was studying in uh, math and physics school because i was quite good at science and uh, but i didn't want to go that route. So I started doing photography and lots of experimental photography and I just loved it. And then I enrolled myself in all the courses I could find like every like evening I would go either to a photography club or to a photography course or mm. to another photography course or to another photography club. Right, <laughs> so right. it was like it was like Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday right. I was busy on photography, different clubs and I became to know like everyone in Kiev doing photography and I was so excited but there was no place to study in university and and then i was like okay what can i do and i found out that there's like a film school and they do uh, cinematography which is the same as photography just there with the moving
0: moving, right, right and
2: the first yeah and the first two years they were doing purely photography and black and white and printing so i was like okay you know what i might start this and try that and after two years we started doing moving image and I was like, okay, you know what? This is interesting. I can experiment with overlapping images doing multi-exposure doing this and mm-hmm. that and changing the lighting and show. And there's like more ways you can tell the story within yeah. the image than I thought about. And I'll mm-hmm. start experimenting there. And then experimenting telling the story with image combined as an editing. And from there it just went on and on and on and I couldn't stop. And that was it.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> are there are there works of any Filmmakers, either directors or photographers, or or cinematographers today, that either inspire you or influence any of the work you do, or there's that you admire.
2: I, by accident, saw this film called Playtime by Jacques Tati, which is oh. an old French uh, filmmaker from 1960s, and he tells the story purely within cinematic means, which is just the camera position the editing, the music, uh, the framing, the lighting, the color, and the people without much story, you know? Mm-hmm. There was no like meaningful dialogue, really. It's just all little situations together. Yeah. And it's like Auntie Charlie Chaplin, basically they call the character, yeah. and um, that really fascinated me. I remember first time I saw it in cinema in my film school, they showed it as an example of the you know visual storytelling, and I just cried from laughter because I was so wow. joy. I had so much joy just watching that, and I, I just instantly like fell in love, and um, that's really inspired me to like kind of search for more things like that. And I find that I always lean forward more towards the filmmaking that doesn't really try to tell the story necessarily but actually just have something visual there that you can make your own story with or that you can just watch and have joy from you know Mm -hmm. so that really inspires me and I would love to do my own films like that as well like art films
0: yeah yeah a number of years ago I did a podcast episode about it was a series about like how you create a signature style like how do you create a visual style as, as a filmmaker as an artist Do you feel like you have a style, like something where people could say, oh, that's Diana Oleferova." Did I pronounce your name right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, what else is quite interesting. Whatever I do, it ends up looking like my work. Mm -hmm. And this is quite peculiar. Um, Like even like I went to China a couple years ago to shoot a short film about war. And all the crew was Chinese. Nobody spoke English apart from director. Right. And the gaffer lied that he speaks English, but he didn't. So I came there and I couldn't really communicate much. But, um, you know, he did the lists all in, in in Mandarin. Right. And I was just like, oh, my God, what's going to happen. <laughs> and... Uh, you know what? It looks like my work. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's just that. Like the composition, the lighting, is, this, and I just managed to, I've learned all the words, like how you say flag, how you say dead light, I'll say all this right. and, that and that, how to say perfect one uh, mate. Um, and they loved me, like, they just, like, we just really synchronized somehow, and whenever we turn around, it's already lit the way I like it, because I just managed to, like, you know, with the justification, like, just show them everything, how right. to, with gestures, show them everything, and they kind of understood. So I think yeah, it's like it's just a combination of my composition. I think that I'm mm-hmm. quite precise my composition, and I love every image to be like a painting and really finesse it. And I really care about every frame, and I can't let go of <laughs> any right. detail. I'm quite, like, you know, attached to like details and attention to detail. But also, I like an element of uh, of like inspirational, like things mm-hmm. happening on the day like in the moment i like to watch what's happening with the space in the moment or with the actors and catch things that are slightly random and make yeah. something slightly off so it's not super perfect and i like to mix those two approaches having something very precise and then adding something on the on the situation right. that just you feel like it's good to do so that's yeah that's how i make it work i think i don't know and also of course i think a lot about the camera positions angles and point of view and how do you tell the story with the movement and mix of shots together that i managed to influence director to go with you know depending on what they want to do with the story i find that this is also my heavy in heavily i'm always heavily involved in in doing shot lists Mm. and thinking about how to tell the scene within the shots or how to combine the shots to tell the scene, how to make like a developing shot to tell the scene, or what, you know, whatever we need to do and influence the rhythm of the image mm-hmm. to tell the story as well. So I'm always make sure I talk to the director a lot and really try to merge my vision and my storytelling skills with there. So it's always a big part of it for me is to talk to them. Yeah. No, that's a good. And listen mainly, actually.
0: No, that's actually, a good segue into one of the questions I was going to ask you, which which was how do you find, how do you like to work with directors in terms of determining like what the shot is going to be like, you know, some directors are very much hands on in terms of the cinematography and creating the shot list and creating the visual and the image and the composition some directors like to work more with the actors and they leave a lot of the visual aesthetic to the cinematographer. How do you like to work?
2: I mean quite easy. I don't don't tell them how I like to work. I mainly ask what they prefer Mm -hmm. Um, and I wait for them to make a move for me to understand how to accommodate um, their way of like creating you know And I think that's the main thing because directors I always find they're so busy and they're also so, you know, they're overwhelmed. Lots of people ask them so many questions and I'm like, okay, I don't wanna overwhelm them on top of it. I just want to actually listen what they want and Mm. then help uh, yeah. and then that will kind of thrive when they start trusting you because you listened and yeah. you got what they want that they trust you and then it becomes like a very nice collaboration so you can also do your own thing on the back of what they told you they want to do yeah. so I just love to to listen what they like some directors yeah they like to be more controlling that way I kind of like uh, make sure like I know exactly what they want and we yeah. know what's the plan and then on a the day sometimes I'll try to see you know be like I'll try to see where I can go a bit more or a bit less. You know, I'll be like, what about this? What about this? And try to offer up things. And if they completely don't know, then fine. But if they are open for more things to happen, then I can kind of go and discover more things. And I'm always quite like, you know, because I'm from a photography background, I just really like to um, discover things. And I like to be very curious about anything like the space, the characters, the actors, the light, the colors, the costumes, the art department, whatever we can change, whatever we can look at. I always walk around on the rehearsal and try to find different angles. Even if it's not in the plan, I still take lots of pictures and then I show them and see what they like, you know, and see how they feel and how mm. they, you know, whether they agree green or something or not. Right. And you try to feel it out a little bit. So you're really attached to what they are right there, what they're feeling, you know? So I find that it's, it's just very important to try and then see if they open for any further, you know, collaboration or not, because if they're not, there's no point in trying to push it because it's just going to make it worse. So it's, right. it's just important to know where is your limits, you know?
0: Yeah. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you and the director disagreed? And if so, like, do you, how strongly do you fight for something that you want? Or do you pretty much just go with the director? <laughs> We'll be back to the show shortly, but first, a word from the people who help keep the lights on. Today's movies and TV shows operate in terabytes. So why do most file sharing providers cap data transfers to a couple hundred gigs? Modern filmmaking runs on massive files, and massive files call for massive transfer. Spelled M-A-S-V, massive is a file sharing solution for those who want to move heavy, uncompressed videos through the cloud without limits. No subscriptions, no complicated IT setups. Massive's pay-as-you-go model is designed to ship big files in record time at 25 cents per gig, and all you need is an internet connection. Sign up for Massive today using massive.io slash AOTF and get 100 gigabytes free towards your transfer. That's M-A-S-S-I-V-E dot I-O slash A-O-T-F as in under the frame, for 100 gigabytes of free transfer now back to the show have you ever found yourself in a situation where you and the director disagreed and if so like do you how strongly do you fight for something that you want or do you pretty much just go with the director
2: i i don't know i've learned you know sometimes we disagree and then i'm like oh like I um, you can always read what I think on my face. I don't lie. I can't <laughs> lie. I'm always. They will know they're not happy, and then you know they'll be like, oh, okay, well, let's just do one for you and one for me, and then I go. There's no point. It's fine. We we'll just do your, and they're like, oh, no, no, no. But and I'm like, that's fine. It's your film, so you can, you know, I don't want to do waste our time. Do two versions. You're gonna use your own anyway, and because right. I think on the stage when you even when you're already there and we haven't agreed on it. The shooting the version will not help because I already explained what I mean. And if they don't feel that that's the way, me shooting it won't change the opinion. I think it's more about the discussion. And if the in discussion, I can, you know, a little bit, I can already show them, like for example, in my viewfinder, show them what about this, what about and if they don't feel it, there's no point because you know they will never (laughs) use
1: it. So in
2: my in my experience, that was like that. So but sometimes, you know, sometimes I I go a little bit like, really? Really? And then like okay let's just have a look and then if they are a little bit more open to like to me showing them and that Mm -hmm. you know then then yes but yeah if they if they're just doing it just because they know that you want to do your version of the shot or something then there's no Mm -hmm. point so
1: yeah yeah
2: and then on mine you know it is in the end of the day it's their film they're responsible for it it's their vision and I'm just there to service that vision. And even though I'm director of photography, you know, there's two names on the boards so is both people, uh, is the baby. But still, right. I'm like, you know what? It's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: No, I love your attitude yeah. about it. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, one of the things that I've learned whenever it comes to any kind of creative collaboration is it's really important to have a person who has the final word because, you know, particularly if you're making a film, if you have too many cooks in the kitchen... As the saying goes, and you don't have anyone who can say at the end of the day, this is, and I think it should be the director, this is my vision, we're gonna do it this way, because they usually, you know, him or her will usually be the one, or them will be the one that is going to, uh, whose name is gonna be in, who's gonna be, who's gonna, that people, you know, th- it's their responsibility in essence. And so yeah. I think, you know, having that and having a team that you can trust. To like either make your vision come to life or to give you good advice and feedback that you trust, and then they still they all still listen to you if you have something different. I think it really makes for the best collaborations for yeah. sure.
2: Yeah, I think sometimes there's just no point no point fighting because it's like mm-hmm. okay we made decision why do we do two versions you know yeah. and also ultimately sometimes you just you can service the project and you can make it look fine but you feel like it's not your person you know at some point some you know we work so many people and every day i'm like okay that was fine a service division it didn't feel like it was my thing it was not really like a super merging experience and sometimes we try again the same person and changes because you like work together more they trust you more and then you get really interesting results but sometimes it just doesn't work and it doesn't work again and then you just don't work with that person because you know there's no point continuing they will find better collaboration in the future and you know you can just do a thing a job and make it look good but it won't be your like your soul it won't be your heart right yeah so I think it's also important to listen to what is really like gets you going, what makes you excited and what makes you progress and think mm-hmm. new things. And that's what you want to keep as a collaborators.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I want to talk about We Are Lady Parts because when I saw the trailer for this show, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I have to see this. Oh, I'm all over this. And by the time people hear this interview, <laughs> I would have played a piece of the trailer. And, and so they'll have an idea of what it is. But you no, know, this idea of an all woman, muslim punk band like just the premise sounds fun and amazing and and it definitely has an interesting look to it so i want to start off by asking like how did you get like how did you get to be a part of this project how did it come about for you
2: um i was invited to do an interview with nida the director for another job actually for another pilot it was like two years before we shot We Are Lady Parts. And I didn't actually get that job, (laughs) but then she called me for pilot of Lady Parts because she said I really felt like your vision and your Mm -hmm. attitude and the way you work or work with that show. Mm -hmm. And it was quite interesting, come back, interview with her again, but for another show, read another script. And uh, yeah, and then we immediately hit it off and did the pilot. It was like 15 minutes, a pilot. We shot it in a week. It was very exciting and it was really bold and it went really well. Uh it's still on YouTube, I think, actually. That pilot. And um, yeah, and then after that they commissioned the show. So it was like a no-brainer to use pretty much the same crew, mm-hmm. um, the same, yeah, the same core crew. So it's like the same production designer, DOP, and costume designer, and makeup. And um even the first idea, I think, was the same. Yeah, so it kind of like really brought it together and we stayed together so then we did the show
0: yeah you mentioned the pilot yeah so my understanding was you guys shot a pilot was it a few years ago and then eventually got picked up later right
2: yeah well it was yeah they did it a couple years ago and then they commissioned the whole uh six episodes
0: yeah and when they commissioned the six episodes had because i saw it here in this in the united states on peacock when they commissioned the six was peacock involved or was peacock involved after the six were commissioned do you know or do you know
2: i don't know you don't know Mm -mm. and then the uk was channel four right and then peacock was connected as well but i don't know when they got connected or who was um the first one to do it all
0: so one of the ways that i when i was watching it it gave me uh You know it it kind of reminded me of uh some of the scenes kind of remind me of edgar wright's scott pilgrim like these wild imagine i don't know if you've ever seen that movie scott pilgrim versus the world where they have this um these wild imagination scenes and these uh you know these very like stark camera angles was there was there a particular influence you had in terms of the look for this for the show is that is that the Diana look, you know, that, that we saw? Tell us about uh-huh. like how you came up with this look because you have a lot of center composition, you have a lot of fun angles, um, the colors really pop. So I was really curious about how you and Nita worked on what the visual look of the T V series would be.
2: Uh I think, yeah, I think you must be right about the reference. I'm not sure. I haven't seen that, but I think she was showing me some stills from it. And I was just like, OK, cool. I just watched that little, like I yeah. scroll it through, <laughs> so yeah, like yeah. a whole list of different films. And I kind of scroll them through to see the looks. Um, and yeah, and then I would come up, like we I would read the script and I'll feel something like, I've done, like this I've done before, or something like I uh, like that I wanted to show her, because there's mm-hmm. a lot of like awesome music videos that I've done, or short form projects that I felt like would be suitable and experiment with lots of lighting colors and things like that and um that way would kind of merge our ideas because she has a lot of films knowledge and i have a lot of like experiments i like to do mm-hmm. on art and photographs and whatever else and uh we would just kind of show each other stuff and um there's a lot of uh, references from different movies in the show and i didn't know the some of them like i didn't actually know um clockbook orange i only watched it couple of months ago actually mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like and then i've realized there's so many like things it scenes there from there, i was like oh that's that scene
1: <laughs> right, right it's kind right. of funny
2: um you know like really like we already shot it and i'm like oh that's that thing <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so sometimes i find like even though i'm behind but it's also like in that way i'm not that biased by the reference you know what i mean mm-hmm. i will do something different even right. though the director has that reference in the script and in the look but i'm like i shoot it that way and i think about it a different way i'm not going to be thinking to match the still i saw in right. the film right so that was it and yeah lots of stuff like the two main characters in the show from how we decided we're going to make it so one is amina which is the main girl that changes and another one is sarah which is the guitarist and uh, she's breaking up with her boyfriend and all that and she's going through a lot of stuff with her family and we wanted to approach it visually as two different styles as it Amina's world and Cyrus world
0: Oh, interesting. so
2: Amina's world will be quite nice and pastel the movement will be much more slow and much more floaty lots of steady calm lots of tracking shots lots of like nice little like following movements and mm-hmm. Cyrus will be mainly handheld quite gritty uh, looks everything kind of slightly muted, slightly desaturated, more contrasty, and darker, mm-hmm. and much less like beauty lighting, a bit more like okay, right. we don't have the eye light, we kind of keep it in the shadows, we just like really embrace the rawness of it and kind of try to explain her anxiety in a visual form. So you know that was like two things that we were going to do like each time we have these characters and sometimes when they meet you know you kind of decide whose scene it is and who is more powerful in each scene and right. sometimes would change through the scene and whatever we decide like it's just kind of like you have a role and then you decide to change the role or you decide to not follow the role because you have another reason for it so that's quite nice you know like we like to come up with the rules for the visual language but then if we need to break it, it's fine. (laughs) So that kind of, it was an interesting experience, interesting approach to that.
0: And you know, I I definitely think it works because when I think about the scenes that really pop in terms of the color, like I think of the Amina scenes, you know, when she's with her girlfriends and her best friend is planning for the wedding or scenes when she's with her uh, in the in the laboratory, she works or at school wherever she is doing her little Hello, laboratory experiments, yeah. or scenes with the parents. That those are the scenes where I think about those really bright colors, and then when I think about like the scene where Sor- Soraya, I think that's how you pronounce your name, Syra, Syra goes to back to her home and sees her parents, and it does yeah. have definitely a more muted feel to it, and even the mood, like the mood, like in, in the story, you know, she seems to have a very estranged. Um, or estranged um, uh, relationship with her parents and you know a lot of her you know i think her parents aren't exactly in line with the choices she's made she's made um throughout the series a lot they mention they i found this interesting so uh, throughout the series they mention or they bring up the you know they bring up the term halal which i know in the muslim Mm -hmm. in in the in the muslim uh belief system is something that's like forbidden i think or or something that's yeah. not um good for that but and they never de-
2: haram, haram haram
0: that's it haram.
2: haram. thank yeah. you
0: very thanks for that correction but they never define it in the show like there's either you either have to figure it out what they're talking about or they assume you might know it was there yeah was there do you know if there was a conscious choice like not to make definitions of certain Muslim either terms or or belief systems for the audience and that the audience has come along was that ever discussed I'm just curious
2: I don't know actually it was not uh discussed much and I wonder if that's you know because the audience for it it could be mainly the people who understand it or mm-hmm. like for me i didn't know much and i would keep asking here i'm always asking questions i'm so curious and i think it's yeah. also important as a cinematographer to keep asking questions so the director understands that if you don't understand something that also might mean that other people might not understand it sure. so i'm always like when i read the script i'm just like question mark, question mark, question mark. And then we discuss them like, what's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? that?" And also because I'm from different culture, uh, even like when sometimes somebody makes very, uh, like kind of in Britain that everybody knows something. And then I come from Ukraine. And then I asked them questions, and because the project will be released in lots of countries, they realize it's important to sometimes explain a bit more, so that was quite interesting. But in this one, I I think I kind of had a feeling that maybe it was kind of good for people to go and Google and find out what that means, because I think that's really cool
1: yeah no, i know it's like
2: it, i think it's like the show that doesn't let you slow down that it just wants you to catch up yes. it's kind of like that that doesn't explain too much it wants you to be like oh, what's that i want to know it all. <laughs> like that kind yeah. of feeling even when i was shooting or reading it i was like what's that mean and yeah i just wanted to exactly know everything so i can be part of it you know
0: yeah now the show the season Like,
2: inshallah is... they say inshallah and i'm like what's inshallah <laughs> right 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 yeah
0: now the season it's it's six episodes and each episode is like 25 minutes or so so all told like it's it's like it's less time than like the irishman by martin scorsese so i was wondering how did you guys shoot it? did you shoot it more like a feature film uh versus you know because with was a lot of television shows depending on the length of the show you know they may shoot an episode to episode but i was wondering if this one was shot more like a feature or there's any thought or discussion about that
2: uh, what do you mean by feature, exactly?
0: Well, because, because and again, a lot of it has to do with like how long a show is. So I think of, you know, you think of a TV show as like maybe they shoot, you know, they, they shoot each episode in, um, in its entirety and versus... Whereas with a feature film, they think about the entire storyline and they, you know, shoot Mm. out of order based on the storyline, but they think of the entire storyline, whereas on a TV show, they may think of the storyline of just that episode. Um, Uh. And a lot of it depends on the show. So I was wondering when you guys were shooting, were you thinking across in terms of the shot lists and the days that you're shooting, were you thinking across all six episodes or did you shoot like each episode individually? If that makes sense.
2: I think we're thinking about it across the whole thing, really, yeah. Yeah. And it was based about these two main kind of storylines and mm-hmm. that stylistic choices. And that was it, really. We didn't really think about it, where exactly each scene is in the story when they're shooting it. Because sometimes, because it's the same location, we have to shoot it all one after another. Right. So that was it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Was there any particular scene that stands out for you that was either challenging or fun or different?
2: um mm, oh so many oh, mm. so exciting to think about them um yeah. there was one like where lots of like very interesting tra- transitional moments when they're like mm-hmm. dreaming about something like right. um there was like a dream scene where the drummer Aisha is playing drums under the rain so there's right. a flash lights and uh her girlfriend is there all under the rain and it's like mirrors behind them that was really cool and we had like a whole rain machine inside and and flashing lights and the mirrors and everything was like breathe it out breathe (laughs) and that scene we wanted to do black and white initially stylistically but we lit it so nice and so rich with colors that they kept the color which is Mm -hmm. quite cool um quite like that (laughs) it's like okay cool that means like we did even better overdid ourselves with lighting and um yeah, and there's a lot of interesting, like, things that unexpected scenes that we, like, wanted to shoot. There was a parlay scene when they uh, discussed social media with Syrah in her studio. And it's all shot, it was shot in one steady shot the whole scene, which is, like, four or five minutes long. And we mm. just kept going around the table, coming from Syrah's entrance, then around the table, and until the end of they decided to keep... The Instagram right. <laughs> lady parts and um, that was really cool because initially we just had it broken down, but on the day when we got there, I knew we have a Steadicam operator that day, and it was just in the back of my mind. And then she blocked the scene with the actors, and I just came to her and I was like, you know what? I just felt like. This could be very interesting in come just going around them and around them. It's kind of like a feeling of dizziness and feeling like we don't know what to do. It's quite like a decision making, it's tension. It's like sometimes you don't see someone's face in the reaction, and it keeps you curious until you come around. And she was like, oh my God, I felt the same. And mm-hmm. that was just so nice, you know, that kind of like just going with the moment, even though you have a plan. And I really, I feel like we really embrace that and try to feel what the scene feels like on the day. And that was one of the very good examples. You know, we we spend like two hours lighting it 360 so we can shoot it, but then mm-hmm. it really paid back because we covered it so quickly that it kind right. of was the same amount of time as if we would shoot it properly like in a normal way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was really good.
0: What kind of uh, cameras and lenses did you guys use for that shoot? For for the for the whole team series.
2: Alexa. Yeah, we had Alexa mm-hmm. and, uh, the Lexa Mini and Cooke anamorphic lenses. Yeah.
0: And are you? Do you prefer prime lenses, or do you zoom lenses, or do or does it depend? Do you not care?
2: I use prime mainly, yeah, because it has better quality for me, and I also really like anamorphics versus spherical. I prefer anamorphics, depending Mm -hmm. on the story. But I often go for anamorphics, even though they're more challenging, they're heavier, all that stuff. But they just really make the image look so much more poetic, in my opinion, and the blurred image really. Yeah. in an interesting way and I like the image to be slightly more closer to painting rather than super realistic so I always appreciate anything that makes it slightly more obscure and slightly more um yeah slightly more interesting slightly have a character or something even if it's mm-hmm. not the perfect like lens can sometimes be not super sharp and sometimes right. in my opinion it can be more interesting to see rather than everything uh in the perfect quality you know
0: hmm and um do you on a shot like that on a shoot like that do you do you guys work with like uh in the u.s they call them a dit digital um like the person who collects all the cards and everything um in the uk do you guys yeah work with digital image
2: technician, yeah.
0: yeah um
2: yeah
0: how closely do you so how closely do you work with i guess your your team before the shoot and 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 when you're on the shoot
2: we have um, made a lot with the colorist um, mm-hmm. from Cheat, uh, mm-hmm. Toby Tompkins. We made a lot, so which is a look, um, okay. because I don't really like Rec. 709. I think it's too basic. And it's actually yeah. nice to pre-grade image a little bit when you shoot it. So everybody oh, okay. who's watching it already has an image looking closer to the look that you want in the very end. Interesting. But, you know, it will be too time-consuming to do too many looks because, of course, for this show, we wanted a couple of different looks, right? right and I was right. like, you know what? Let's just take some shots on the prep days in the studio because we had lots of studio and set built and already had lots of colors established by the art department with director you know and costume designer and i was like okay let's just take this set and shoot some people in there and the lighting that we already have there and then try to make look based on that so we did that did a look which had slightly more like turquoise and coolness in the shadows mm-hmm. and a little bit more warmth in the in the highlights. And that was kind of it. But it was quite subtle, you know, we didn't want to overload yeah. it because you don't also want to have too much influence over colors on set on the day. So that look would apply would be applied on all the images. And even when you're shooting, you would see see it on your monitors and everybody would see it. Right. So that was really, really good. And there was so much great feedback about the rushes and i think one of the biggest uh you know like responsibilities for that to be such a success was the lot actually as mm-hmm. well as our lighting of course but you know yes of <laughs> course <laughs> but <laughs> but uh it was like really good call to do and yeah and then the DIT would on a day kind of like recommend me to change the white balance we had this guy called Alex Milan he's mm-hmm. really good It would change, like if we are outside and throughout the day, the lighting would change and the color of the sky would change. So he would recommend me to change the white balance accordingly to make it a bit more even. And then he would like kind of micromanage every shot a little bit in terms of like brightness, just to make it more matchy and easier for the colorist later to work because, you know, we had quite a limited time in the grade. So we had to make sure that everything is matching as much as possible in a Mm. day. So that would really help to have a DIT there all the time watching.
0: And do you guys make like backups of your cards on set? I guess the DAT probably does that. Makes what? Oh, backup, like backups of the cards that you shoot on. Do you any kind of backups? Oh, I don't
2: know. Yeah, probably. I think they, they must have some kind of like rules that they have a couple of backups right. for sure. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of data all the time, and there's always questions. you should progress or do you should, should um, re raw and all that stuff, you know? So, and what
0: did you shoot in?
2: Luckily we didn't have much. I don't remember. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but do you prefer to shoot in? I don't
2: remember. In?
0: Do you have a preference?
2: I don't I don't know. Like it's it's always I always ask the colorist advice and
1: because
2: mm-hmm. I just so confused with all this stuff. Like to yeah. be honest, I think I can achieve good color and good quality in it. Any medium,
1: yeah,
2: (laughs) in my opinion. So, but there's so many like uh, geeky, clever people around that recommend me stuff. So whenever I'm on some project, I try to get the advice and things. But then I always forget because I'm already done another three projects and I forgot. Right. that's one exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Uh, I don't have very strong opinion. I tend to rely on my crew, who are usually very good. Sure.
0: No, that's that's a common theme. I wanted to ask you one of the story aspects. Get your opinion on it and. And this isn't really a major, it's like a minor spoiler for this show. It's not a big spoiler. But there's there's a scene in the story where one of the characters has a relationship, gets into a relationship with an influencer, like an Instagram influencer. Um, or there's some kind of popular social media influencer. And this person writes a damaging story about about the about the members of the band and but it's told in a way where the person it's kind of messed up that she does it but she kind of makes some good points as to why she wrote what she wrote i was curious as to what you if you had any thoughts about the decision that that character makes if you remember that aspect of the story
1: Mm. Oh, God, Remember, so complicated
0: yeah the drummer had a the drummer had a relationship with that yeah, journalist yeah yeah. yeah yeah and the journalist yeah, yeah, yeah. prints and stuff
2: yeah she's like oh you're getting all these hits so you should be thankful rather than right right selling. yeah i mean this is so complicated because i don't really know much about the culture that you know right. i find it really hard i was like yeah i was just like watching it rather than having an opinion really so right. i don't yeah right. i don't know well, I think yeah, it's, interesting it's also about in general, it's like a question about journalism in general and how do you like that you can like tell the story in so many mm-hmm. different ways and really twist the facts to make it more right uh, to make it more like popular and to make it more uh, like it make it more like a, a quite hard topic or like heated topic. Yeah. Um yeah. And that that it's easier for people to judge and therefore it becomes more popular, right? Because yeah. it's quite a topic and everybody's talking about it, and you can like just be angry about something, right? Right. But um some and often like the actual truth is not that like exciting for people mm-hmm. to discuss, right? So that's why some people try to make up like a a huge like oh this is a sensation and all this stuff, and lots of user like that, right? But it's interesting because part of the human nature to respond to something is more of a sensation yeah. rather than something yeah, yeah. that is just the truth. So yeah, it's a good question. I think that's kind of like an a kind of underlying theme mm-hmm. of the show as well, you know. Yeah. Because the show is also a sensation in a way.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. Do you do you guys have they determined if there's gonna be a second season yet?
2: I don't know. Uh, I hope a, so.
0: I'd
1: love to.
2: <laughs> we and, uh, should make it. Really should. It's yeah.
0: really good. It's really good. Um, I'm gonna end with my. I always have speed round questions. And so mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you have to answer these as quickly as you can without thinking too much about them. This is not uh What's your uh, a guilty pleasure TV show or movie that you like to watch?
2: Mm, Bridget Jones.
0: Bridget Jones. Okay, uh, the 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 movie, the one with the original one, the movie. I don't think there is. Is there a TV, yeah, show, version a movie, yeah. a TV show version of that? I don't think there is a TV show version. I
2: think it's the movie. Yeah, it's like yeah. three of them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's good. Uh,
0: what was the last thing that you saw that surprised you, and why did it surprise you? Mm,
2: my God. I don't remember. Haven't seen much. (laughs) You've been too busy. (laughs) I've been working too much. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and the cinemas were closed, and I don't remember. And then I don't watch anything. I got a TV actually, just in a box, and I haven't opened it. It's been a month. (laughs) (laughs) I just didn't have time. Hopefully, I'll find some time soon and watch something.
0: When you do watch things, is there a particular genre that you like, like comedy or sci-fi, fantasy?
2: If I watch something, I I was really pushing. Oh, okay, okay, I remember now. So I watched some David Lynch because I was pushing myself on the lockdown to watch some,
0: uh-huh.
2: some that I some things I should watch because I would probably enjoy it and could be very curious, but I would right. never like make myself do it. So I had a friend who agreed to watch it online with me, like over the Zoom. So we watched all the David Lynch films. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> it was like it was so hard, like The Lost Highway. Oh my God, that really did surprise me. But it was like, it was so hard. And a, it stayed with me for like a couple of weeks after I'm not surprised.
0: <laughs> I gave it many That's Kate. the one. <laughs> definitely, that's a good answer.
2: But um, yeah, if I go for like watch something fun, I would watch like a rom com. It's my favorite like rom com, silly yeah. comedy stuff. That's the best. Yeah.
0: Do, do you have a favorite rom com that you
2: like? Uh, the Notebook.
0: The notebook interesting,
2: and I do, and I love La La Land as well. I mean, I just like Ryan Gosling, yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's
0: nothing wrong with that. Uh, if you could collaborate <laughs> on a film with anyone, who would it be and why?
2: Oh, yeah, I want to shoot Mission Impossible, like that's my dream.
0: Oh, nice, so well, I'm go. sure they'll Tom keep Cruise. making those until Tom Cruise dies, so you have plenty of time,
2: <laughs> and even further, please. yeah,
0: even further. Um and, then you, and you miss-
2: why? Just because I think mm-hmm. it's so exciting to do an action film and also the one sure. that everybody will watch, you know? And then you can maybe put Without some artistic that. influences in there. And,
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would love to see it. I would love to see a Mission Impossible film shot by you. It would be very interesting. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: what's your favorite drink to get at a pub?
2: Um,
0: what did you drink tonight?
2: Campari on the ice. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: hey, have you seen the TV show yeah. Ted Lasso? Is that no. does that play in the UK I
2: Don't know why
0: I ask only because it's about it's about an American uh, soccer coach or football coach who's brought over to the U- to England to help uh, this struggling uh, football team and mm-hmm. it's very funny it's on Apple it's on the Apple TV plus platform. I think it's in the UK, but I'm, I'm always curious to, because mm-hmm. I've seen a few people who live in the UK say like their representation of uh, British football was a little bit different than how it would really be in real life. So I was curious, but if you haven't seen it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I
2: haven't,
0: no. No, that's okay. Uh, well, I'm I really- curious now. Yeah, you should check it out. It's called Ted Lasso. Again, it's on.
2: Yeah, Apple. put it down, it down. Yeah,
0: yeah. It'd be um, but thank you so much for coming. And I must say, for as late as it is out there, you have a lot of energy, Diana.
2: Thank you. Yes, <laughs> I mean, after the whole shoot now. Yeah, I'm still buzzing. But I don't know. I always find I love people, so people charge me back, and you know, yeah, I, even I though can... we finished like two hours late, i was still like buzzing because everybody's there. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're
0: you're you're definitely an extrovert um what's the next project you're working on that you can tell us about
2: um i'm just doing um i'm taking some couple of days off now this mm-hmm. week and then i'm doing a commercial for linkedin mm-hmm. um yeah i'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. um quite a nice you know different approach when you do commercial from a drama like today Go was first. just one day one and i was like oh my god oh my god it's gonna, you know i just i haven't actually had the proper rest after four months but it was just right. such a different like mindset and different like you just you know think about the actual image much more than about the overall story and what you're doing to what you're shooting tomorrow and what's the right. politics of like getting all the things right within the next week and all that stuff and it's just so nice to not having to think about it in between the shots and actually just enjoy making the image yeah. so <laughs> that was kind of a nice to break into that a little bit out of the drama because it's I think it's important to do both and kind of just have fun sometimes yeah, as well yeah, yeah, think seriously. So yeah. I like to merge that all.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I really enjoyed your energy and all your answers, and it was so it was such a pleasure talking to you. And uh, again, just great great job on the show. I love. It's like I'm telling everybody you have to watch the show after I've after I've watched it because I just thought it's so. <laughs> yeah. Um What I like <laughs> about it, it, like it's 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 really funny. It's genuinely funny. I love the fact that each of the women in the band represents like a different type of a Muslim woman. And in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, you have an African Muslim woman, you have one that wears, you know, a hijab. You have one, their band manager is so funny. Like she wears the full body one. And, but yeah. they break, like, when you see someone like that, she doesn't act like anything you would expect. Like as an American, what I would expect a woman who's in that culture to act like, because she's just she's this kind of like this wild she's kind of a little bit wild in her own in her own right and and so i just i mm-hmm. think it's it's neat being able to see such a diverse group of women from a culture particularly here in america that i think is still kind of foreign to a lot of people and just to standardize them in, in a positive way where it's like you can relate to them because the things that they're going through or things that you can go through as a person. And I think that's one of the things I love so much about the film. Um, and and the storylines are like, nobody is like entirely good or entirely bad. Like even, like even uh, Amina's best friend, who's sort of like the snobby uh, best friend who's getting married, like even her character is a little bit deeper. Like they could easily have played her off as this sort of shallow individual, but she remains true to her culture, but at the same time, you can still believe why she would be a friend. That makes sense.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just really like that anybody can relate, and I could really relate to anything. It's like a human story, so it's just yeah. so nice. To I didn't actually think about it as a story of that community in particular when I was reading it, or when I was shooting yeah. it that much. I mean, obviously, you can. I know what it's about, but I was just sure. like so into that just because of the story and the human emotions and things like that, and you know, relationships and all that uh, complications. And I just felt it through without even thinking about anything else. And I think that's right. the main thing to have the core that will drive the story through and that anybody could connect. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. That's we did wonderful- the best. Yeah, well, you did a wonderful job and I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Thanks again to Deanna for staying up so late to speak with me. If you haven't seen the show yet, it's worth getting Peacock TV, even if just for a month so you can watch it. And if you do shoot me an email, let me know what you think. In the meantime, thanks for hanging out with me again. Crossing the 180 is a production of Blade Runner Media and part of pro video coalition's art of the frame podcast series. This episode is produced, written, edited, and hosted by yours truly, Ron Dawson. For additional links and resources, including Deanna's website and samples of her work, check out the blog post for this episode at provideocoalition.com or look in the show notes. You can follow me on Twitter and the gram at Blade Runner, that's runner with a an no and you can follow Pro Video Coalition on Twitter at twitter.com provideo. That's it for now. Until next time, remember, if the story sucks, I don't care what you shot it with or cut it on. See you next time.